The evil of corruption reaches into every corner of the world. Corruption lies at the heart of the most urgent problems we face. Welcome to Confidential Brief, where Chad Thomas takes you into the stories behind the issues facing our society. A very good afternoon to you from a particularly rainy Johannesburg. If you're out there on the roads, please be careful and drive a little bit safer. Um, not necessarily your driving skills, but those of those around you could be somewhat questionable these days. We've seen an increase in television of programs relating to fraud, and it seems to, to me to be almost sensationalizing the aspects of fraud. One sees programs like Tinder Swindler. We saw another one called Inventing Anna, and the most recent is, is called Bad Vegan Fame, Fraud, and Fugitives. And what comes as a surprise to me is some people tend to glorify what these fraudsters have done. Other people tend to shame the victims. And for me, this is just unfathomable. It's, it's something where you can't blame people for becoming victims of a fraud that has been set in motion through professionals. I think this is what people don't seem to realize. Fraudsters, just like you put on your uniform and go to work, whether you're working in government service or you put on your tie because you're working in a white-collar environment or you put in your overall because you're working in a blue-collar environment, fraudsters put on whatever it is they intend to wear to work and they set out to defraud people. That's their living. It isn't something they do by chance. They don't find somebody as a mark that they think, oh, I'm going to take advantage of this person. They aggressively set out to either defraud their employer, defraud the state, defraud others, and in particular to defraud smaller and medium-sized companies. With that in mind, I thought it was very important today that we chat about fraud and the fact that the tide can be turned. Statistics recently came out from the international organization known as the Association of Certified Fraud Examiners, which gives some insight into positive statistics regarding combating of fraud in organizations internationally, where they've taken the aspect of fraud very seriously, both from a preventative perspective as well as what to do from a reactive perspective. And I'm so very excited today for two reasons. Number one, I have the ACFE South African chapters president with us or CEO with us rather, Yakuda Yaga, and he's going to be chatting to us about this report and about what the ACFE South Africa is doing. And just to let you know, they now, since our last conversation with Yaku about three years ago, they now represent over 14,000 registered professionals that are there to fight fraud. That's a, an incredible figure. The association, just the South African chapter, has over 14,000 members. So we're going to be chatting about this report that's come out from ACFE International, and we'll be chatting more about how fraud has been impacting on South Africans as well as companies internationally. You're listening to the Confidential Brief. Just a reminder that the views expressed on the show aren't necessarily those of mine or that of Chai FM. You're listening to The Confidential Brief with Chad Thomas on High FM. Today on Confidential Brief, I'm chatting to the Chief Executive Officer of the Association of Certified Fraud Examiners, South African Chapter. Yakuda Yaga has been at the helm for quite some time and he's grown this organization into a beast. And I really mean a beast because the work that CFEs are doing throughout South Africa to combat the scourge of fraud is absolutely incredible. Yaku, welcome to Chai FM. Thank you very much. Yaku, 14,000 plus, that's a, that's a lot of members to have. They must be making a dent somewhere in this, in this beast of fraud and corruption in South Africa. 
Well, Chad, I hope I hope so. Um, if you if you look at the number of organisations out there, um, we did a study the other day to see how many organisations are listed on the JSE. Three hundred and forty thousand companies. So, <laughs> taking that into consideration, and the number of members we've got, and the number of CFEs we've got, yeah, we we are beast in your eyes, maybe, but we're not even doing a dent in the market out there. So the question is, if you look at things like King Four. Um, King 4 clearly stipulate that one of your assurance partners within your organization that you need to have is fraud examiners. And, and 340,000, I don't see that in the membership out there. If we look at the losses that's being incurred, both in the private and the public sector, I don't see uh, the numbers of specialists being employed within the organizations to really do what they're supposed to do. And the question is being asked now uh, by, by professional bodies, and we can later on talk about that as well. We've drafted the framework on, on what the company needs to look like. The professional bodies at all levels, whether it's the IOD, the SABPP who represents your HR practitioners, whether it's us, whether it's the UMSAS and, and the rest, is are companies really that serious in fighting fraud by not employing professionals, skilled people to do what they're supposed to do? If we look at, at uh, companies as being appointed on, on consultancy basis, uh, you get nepotism still out there where the people are being appointed just to tick the box to say that I've appointed someone. I hope that they find whatever is, is wrong within the organization. I hope they'll implement the necessary skill sets, um, policies, procedures, etc., and train my staff, by the way. And, and But that's a hope. And so we are doing a lot at the ACV side. Yes, we've grown a lot. We've seen that there's been a lot of uptake within government and private sector. A lot of people standing up and saying we are serials, uh, serious in, in taking on um, and going against the fraudsters. And later when we talk about the report, that will also come out. Internationally, we've grown to more than uh, 90,000 uh, people. Um, we recognize through our members in 195 countries. So it, it is evolving, it is growing, but there's a, there's a reason for it. It's because of everything that's now being exposed. I don't think fraud is a new, I know it's, it's not new. It comes actually from the Bible's age. It, it, it's as old as Adam and, and Eve. So, but the, the, the thing is, it's more and more people start to talk about it and more and more people see the need to start actively getting involved and standing up against it. And when we like to talk, again talk about the professionalization, I'll highlight the APF survey that we've done. So yes, uh, thanks very much for the compliment, but there's a long way still to go to make sure that we are protected as citizens through the companies that we invest in, like your banks and your telecommunications and whoever, and, and hope that they do the right thing and protect our finances that sits within those organizations. I suppose I'm somewhat of the eternal optimist. I'm happy to see the numbers increasing in terms of fraud examiners in South Africa and anybody that is prepared to undergo further training to be able to capacitate themselves. When I look at some of your members and friends that I have on LinkedIn, we're talking about people that I served with in the military 30 years ago who served in investigative and intelligence capacities who are now helping both the private and the public sector in the fight against fraud and corruption who are registered with professional organizations, your organization included. And that to me is very important because we're bringing in international expertise. 
We're bringing in the expertise that's needed to understand the beast of fraud and corruption. But what you said makes perfect sense to me. When one looks at the amounts of registered companies that there are in South Africa, when one looks at the listed companies that there are in South Africa, 14 odd thousand doesn't really make the dent one would want to see the dent being made but it is a start i agree with you 100 percent. and and what's nice about the scenario that you just uh, sketched is the following you sit with people that's been in practice for more than 30 years and, and we still sit and see them actively involved in south africa and southern africa for that matter bringing their expertise, their skill sets, um, and increasing it daily by going uh, for continuous professional education, abiding by international benchmark practices like your code of ethics and, uh, and professional standards, set, for instance, by our organization, the, uh, the ACFE International. And you know that this person has evolved with, with the fight over the years so they know exactly where to go and look what to do and how to protect organizations so yes i'm very proud about the the increase in numbers i'm very proud about the companies that comes forward we've even seen a growth in the corporate members that we sit with uh, the the sponsors um that that's involved in this whole process um, and there's large entities who stood up now and say listen enough is enough we need to upskill our internal staff so uh, I want to compliment them, and I agree 100% with you. There's, there's brilliant people out there um, and, and that you can make use of, CFEs that you can make use of. So thanks for, for, for pointing that out. For me, what I think a lot of people don't tend to realize is that just like we talk about the global village where we can communicate with friends and family overseas just with the, 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 the click of a switch, and we can order goods online from anywhere in the world, fraud is a global phenomena. And what a lot of people are unaware of is that when one looks at legislation, when one looks at the Financial Action Task Force that was established for money laundry, when one looks at the American RICO Act of 1970 and the South African Poker Act of 1998, there's so much similarity because we're all fighting this beast. And what the ACFE does, and initially, I used to think it's an international organization. It doesn't really... For me, it didn't appeal from a homegrown perspective, but when one looks how global f the problem of fraud has become, it now makes sense. You, you're spot on. So in the past, um, people were thinking of fraud with a type of a, a silo attitude. It only happens within either that organization or that industry or that within that borders of the specific country. Fraud is a global thing. It's a global phenomenal. Uh, you, you've seen the 419 scams, either coming from Russia or from Nigeria or from whoever they, that, uh, they were hitting the country and uh, all other countries as well. Fraud is not only perpetrated within one organization in one, uh, in one specific country. As we sit here with people that professionalize themselves almost, if, if I can use that term, where they really go out, um, put on the tux and, and go and think, how can they defraud someone else? You spoke about it uh, earlier and, and uh, there's been movies made about it. The Fox of uh, Wall Street, etc., etc. So, uh, and I agree 100% with you. They need not to actually show how they were able to 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 um, increase the the ways that they they committed the fraud but they actually need to more focus about the good deeds in how it was detected who stood up who blew the whistle so when we look at the whole concept 
and and the whole thing about fraud and where, where it's occurring, no longer can you just go and, and see what's happening within a specific country. I mean, if, if that was the case, a country like the U.S. would never have in the past look at things like your chip and pin cards. They, they only recently started using chip and pin cards in the U.S. I mean, it's being used all over the world, and they actually learned through it. You spoke about legislation. We learned through other countries' mistakes about legislation, how to improve the, the, our own legislation. And the rest of Africa have, have actually learned from us because they've got the same type of legislation, just better structured in, in some ways. Today we're chatting to Yaku de Yaga. He is the CEO of the ACFE South Africa, and it's a very interesting conversation. Stay tuned. We're going to be chatting about the Occupational Fraud 2022 Report to the Nations. You're listening to The Confidential Brief with Chad Thomas on High FM. Today we're chatting to uh, Yaku de Yaga from the ACFE SA about fraud and corruption as a whole, not just on a localized basis, but on an international basis. A recent report was published. It's called The Occupational Fraud 2022, A Report to the Nations, and it's published by ACFE's international office. This is available on the ACFE SA's um, local social media, which is LinkedIn and Facebook. It's also available on their website, and it's a very important report. It's 95 pages, and it's not 95 pages of waffle or academia. It's 95 pages of statistics. It's 95 pages of facts regarding fraud and corruption and a study that's been done internationally. Now, Yaku, I want to talk about this report because the one thing I noted that was very important to me is that organizations that take fraud and corruption seriously and have people that champion the cause of trying to either prevent or combat fraud and corruption have actually seen in some instances a decline in fraud hitting their operation. And that to me is a shocker considering that cybercrime and related types of crimes are on the increase worldwide. Yeah, it's all about expertise, like you indicated in the, uh, previous, uh, previously in this show. So if we look at the uh, part of the report talks about a decade of occupational fraud, the trends from 2012 to 2022. It is clear that um, the, the, the number of losses, the amount of losses have decreased as well as the, the time being spent on it, uh, fraud being detected. Now, the median losses over the last 10 years decreased by 16% and median losses uh, has dropped by 33%. Again, we need to uh, notify the listeners here that the, the report was compiled by members within large organizations all over the world. So hopefully within the next month, what we'll see is also reports, uh, the, the report being broken down into, into countries or regions. So you'll have a report for Africa, a report for Europe, a report for, a report for Asia Pacific and the U.S. and, and Canada. And um, that would be uh, uh, very interesting to see also how uh, and, and what this looked like. I can tell you that Africa submitted uh, one of the highest responses um, ratings in, in the world uh, compared to the other continents. So what was also interesting is would be to then see how this figures or these figures relate to that. If we look at criminal prosecutions, we've seen that um, th this is very concerning for me that we've seen a drop 
in criminal action being taken against organizations, but we've seen a huge increase in organizations now going civilly against uh, the individuals that's involved in fraud. So they actually now involved going after the money and, and also going after the person for reputational damage, etc., etc., um, making sure the person pays. Something that I was surprised to see is um, in the past we spoke about it as well. Who's um, more in, in, in uh, well inclined to to commit fraud, men versus women? It's just an interesting fact for for the people out there. In the past, it was always the men that was highest. There was a slight drop in in men committing fraud, and I indicated that stage that's because of men um, not being. Uh, uh, changed by women uh, so women still sits not in the top uh, positions they still not uh, able to get to the money to the wallets um, but over the last 10 years instead of seeing the the men dropping in the the percentage wise in committing fraud we've seen a, a huge increase um, in in men now getting involved in fraud uh, in the past it was 65 percent now it's 73 percent which doesn't make really sense. And we've seen a drop in women from 35% to 27%. Uh, something uh, just for, for the people out there um, to take note of. High levels of, uh, of authority. More per, uh, perpetrators are in roles with uh, high levels nowadays. We've seen an increase in, in people committing fraud. 56% in the past, now 62% at management, executive and ownership levels, which also talks to COVID and what we've seen out there, how people now try to be uh, creative in making money out there for to keep on employees or to keep the business afloat. The percentage of cases involving corruption is on the rise. We've seen all over in 2012, the, the report indicated 33% of all fraud um, related to corruption. Now it's 50%. And that's a shocker. Fraudsters are collaborating more. Um, we've seen in um, the, the, that more and more people are now combining their efforts in committing fraud. Something that's that's still out there. 64% of uh, fraud is being perpetrated by someone internally. And that again uh, lets me ask the question. How often do you go out there and vet your staff? Well, I'm not only talking about new staff that you want to appoint. I'm talking about promotions. Are you looking uh, whether the person that you want to promote is actually the right person to promote? Is he not the fraudster that you're now giving him the keys to the, to the kitty? Uh, how often do you make sure that the people sitting in a procurement department, um, that there's no conflict of interest? Do you put them through a, a, a test to see whether they are conflicted or not, whether they are involved with someone? Now, working with someone has increased from 42% to 58%, just to show that people don't want to, oh, well, they don't work alone anymore, and, and then why not? Because they, in the past, there was no segregation of duties. So, People were asked to do everything. They'll invoice, they'll collect the money, uh, they'll do the financials of the organization, they'll be able to hide the, 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 the money. Then when we said that there needs to be separation of jobs, people started to, uh, the company started to employ more people in different departments, and now one person cannot do anything or everything anymore. So now they need to collaborate with someone else and get an accomplice um, to, to commit the fraud. Increase over the last decade uh, for the implementation rates for 17 of the 18 analyzed anti-fraud controls uh, that was there. Hotline still stays number one in how to detect fraud. 
it actually increased from 54% to 70%. We saw a 14% increase in fraud training for, for employees. More companies now get involved in that. We can later on talk again about the APF um, a survey that was launched between uh, professional bodies. And then also the anti-fraud policies uh, increased. There's more policies within organizations. Fraud training for managers and executives increased uh, with 12% to 59%. And then formal fraud risk assessments increased. And I'm not very um, comfortable with the figures. From 36% to 46%, only 11% increase in, f um, in, in formal training on uh, risk assessments. So there's a lot of reasons why you need to employ uh, specialists within your organizations, looking at your policies, your procedures, your controls, um, your people, your governance, uh, well, the whole spectrum. But there's an even bigger reason why to employ specialists um, that you want to consult um, and, and get them to come into your organization and help you. Remember, there's a lot of these organizations, and we spoke about the, the numbers out there earlier. There's a lot of organizations that sit with uh, internal capacity, but the capacity don't always sit within the right department. So they will form part of your internal audit department, for instance. Now, then the internal auditor now needs to do everything, internal controls as well as forensic investigations, your fraud examination investigations. Or they will... Um, they will have a capacity, uh, say, we'll have four or five people that, that's doing our investigations and our audits for us. For large entities, uh, that's uh, contractual entities. Um, I don't want to name names. But there's, there's multinational entities that sit with three or four people that needs to do everything. And what do they do? They usually get in consultants to assist them with, with the work. And um, are you employing a specialist? A person that really knows what to look for and, and do what's supposed to. Now, the stats shows that if you go after professionals and you employ professionals and uh, you contract professionals, you should see a decline in your losses. Um, and yes, there is a, there's an increase in certain types of fraud schemes and scams like you indicated. But again, it's, it's the guys that don't do what uh, is expected from them that's most at risk. So there's a couple of things I want to take away from what you just said. The first is it's very satisfying to know that out of regions that make up eight in the world, in other words, the United States and Canada, Sub-Saharan Africa, Asia Pacific, Western Europe, Middle East and North Africa, Southern Asia, Latin America and the Caribbean, and Eastern and Western Europe and Central Asia, Africa as a whole contributed 30% of stats towards this particular project. That, to me, shows that our content is changing, where in the past things were kept in the dark. People did not want to talk about it. They didn't want to bring fraud and corruption to light. We are the second biggest contributor to the study after the United States and Canada, which sits at 36%. That is an incredible statistic. It's showing me that there's a change in attitude in terms of reporting. You're 100% right in that, and, and, um, and it's because of people like you. Because of people like um, Professor Lumumba, who actually stands up on international platforms, uh, whether it's in Kenya or whether in Nigeria, and taking on the, the governments um, and, and saying, listen, what you are doing is not right. You're selling actually the livelihood of Africa away to other countries. Um, in China or whoever, in Russia. And um, we cannot afford this as, as, a, as a continent anymore. We need to create more jobs. We need to create stability. We need to ensure that it happens without corruption within our continent. And if we don't get people more and more to stand up, um, 
we, we're going to see the whole country is at a loss. Um, and, and the change is here and the change is now. Let me talk about the, the report linked also to the APF survey that I spoke of. The APF is a, is a professional um, entity that was put together by professional bodies, um, and they try to protect their own members who want to blow the whistle and to uh, victimize or uh, their threats against, against their livelihood. And they sent out a survey, and what was interesting from the survey is that there was a decline in professionals believing in senior management. Now, that talks to the report here because uh, the report is clearly showing that there's more and more executives and senior managers involved in, in fraud and corruption in, in totality. So what it also showed is that more and more of them don't want to blow the whistle anymore. They want to stand up and they want to speak out and they want to say, listen, enough is enough. You are involved in irregularities. We're going to point, point that and we're going to highlight it. There's a couple of reasons for it. Uh, which we can discuss uh, later on, but it also talks to the, the the concept of blowing the whistle and and why it's still one of the the best ways of detecting fraud. And again, like I indicated, in the past it was 41 percent. Now it's close to 60 percent. More and more people are speaking out, and that's great. Um, the 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 country is fed up. Our economy is crippled because of, of the actions of politicians and executives uh, from big organizations. We need to, to move forward and we can only do it through professionals. So whistleblowing and ethics are buzzwords that have been going around for some time but have only recently received the necessary attention in respect of what we saw come out of Zondo, what we saw in respect of whistleblowers being assassinated, whistleblowers having to relocate, and people are now finally understanding the importance of whistleblowing, and Zondo has done the country a service by saying how whistleblowers should in fact be treated rather than the manner in which they were being treated. So I can see a lot of changes taking place there. But two observations I want to make about this report. The one thing that you mentioned to us is the fact that there's more and more evidence that fraudsters are using accomplices, most probably outside of the operation. And I think that's why we're seeing a growth in fraud, such as vendor-related fraud and ghost employees, where you would need a third party or a third party bank account to be used. And that's why we're seeing these fraudsters are bringing in outsiders. The other observation was what you mentioned about people needing to continually do research or background vetting on their staff. And it shouldn't be a new thing. Between 97 and 2000, when NBS and Borland were two retail components of BOE, BOE had bought them as their retail banking components, their fidelity guarantee and Bankers Blake at Bond policy was such that it wasn't just new staff members that were vetted. They had a lottery system, and any staff member's name through this computerized lottery systems could pop up, and they would immediately be audited from a lifestyle perspective. Mm. And I think far more organizations need to go back to that lottery system. So you can't just vet somebody when they start with your organization. Some people blink and somebody's been in their company for 20 years. They are favored amongst the staff. They never take leave. And there's a reason why they never take leave. There's a reason that they are the favorites. So these kind of studies are very important. I'm looking at the study and I saw that the study stretched across 133 countries. And when one looks at the average loss of those organizations, it was close to $2 million per instance. 
And in the greater scheme of things, if we look at the South African context, we're talking around about 30 million rand. It sounds like a lot, but it's actually not. What corporates are getting hit with on a daily basis is relative to the smaller companies being hit with 2 million. It's relative to the individuals that have been hit with 100,000 rand. It's, 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 a, it's a pandemic that isn't being fought as hard as other pandemics should be fought. And it's something we really need to look at. You're spot on in that. I mean, when we look at uh, cyber-related frauds, I know of one company who indicated the other day they get hit 200,000 times per day by hackers. I mean, if you don't have the specialized skills um, to, to stop hacking within your organization, uh, just think of what's going to happen to that specific organization. And, and a lot of the, the people out there don't understand how vulnerable they are. And, and why you need to, to have the necessary expertise and skill sets within your organization. Also, um, from the other uh, point of view, as a, a lot of organizations also don't educate their staff enough about why they need to stand up. So when I, in the, in the past, used to give um, presentations on the reports to the nation and looking at the statistics, I always said that your staff is your biggest risk um, because most of the fraud comes from internally. Well, with, with the drop in how we've seen now in, in, in companies that have the necessary expertise, um, your staff is now your biggest asset. When we look at the same statistics and we look at the hotline uh, reports that came in, more than half of all the tip-offs came from employees. That's people standing up and saying, listen, this is what's happening within the organization. We, we want to report it. I mean, that talks about... Uh, a, a, a turnaround in the morals and values, the business ethics within organizations. And that's great. That's great to see that companies are now starting to, to get people to do the right thing internally. And we've seen uh, big organizations like your EOH um, standing up and making a change, your Siemenses standing up and making a change um, and, and saying enough is enough. From management level, we're going to, to clean it up um, and, and set the tone and also show that uh, we're not going to tolerate. There's a, really a zero tolerance uh, against fraud. We're chatting to Yaku Yagu from the ACFE essay about the Occupational Fraud 2022 Report to the Nations by the ACFE International Office. Here we come back, I want to talk more about the upcoming conference and how this can benefit those that operate within the space. You're listening to The Confidential Brief with Chad Thomas on High FM. Today we've been chatting to Yaku de Yaga about the recently released report known as the Occupational Fraud 2022, a report to the nations from the ACFE International Office. And I want to talk more local in respect of the ACFE SA. And I want to talk about the continued education programs that are offered and more importantly, the upcoming conference. Yaku, let's chat about the continuing education aspect of, of what the ACFE SA does. We know that South Africa has incredible legislation and that that legislation is living. We see new legislation, we see amended legislation, and we see case law. It's important for people involved in this space to keep up to date. Is that what you mean when you talk about continued professional training? Yes. So fraud is not, it's not a thing that, uh, that just dates back from 1940 and, and nothing happened after that as it's an ever-evolving thing it's a it's a i almost want to say like a demon it's uh it keeps on growing and there's always new um ways of people trying to commit fraud 
and we need to be up there to understand it to see where it's going to um, then also to be able to implement the necessary processes procedures within organization and have the necessary tools available for our members so that they can go out there and do what's expected of them like for instance we've got a uh, a program that uh, our members make use of to do lifestyle audits. There's there's various technology available to do uh, to use for whistleblowing, um, uh, uh, whistleblowing and detection purposes. So that's available to our members. But we use um, forums like um, our conference you spoke of. We've got workshops out there. We've got regional events that we all often get uh, speakers in to come and talk about specifics in a, in a specific industry. And no, it's not because of I'm, I'm listening to a guy in the banking industry has got nothing to do with me. All the industries, like you indicated, fraud is, all, uh, is everywhere. All the industries interact somewhere, somehow with one another. And we need to learn from one another whether it's in the cyber, banking, insurance, or whatever field there is. So we've got the, the ability and we make a training available to our members that way. The conference you spoke of is actually a, a conference that we host for Africa. We get speakers, uh, local and international speakers, to, to talk about things of what is coming, what's currently here, and uh, what we expect will be in, in, in coming up in the future. We regularly participate within other professional bodies also to, to, to see what's, what's coming and what we, what we foresee in the next five years. And then we get speakers to come and talk about it. IMSA released a report, I'm not sure whether you've seen it before, uh, Chad, uh, about the risks for the, for the next five years, which deals with things like your environment. There's a huge risk in water scarcity. Um, then cyber, they identified as a, as a massive risk. Now, one of our speakers is going to be Christopher Palm, who's going to talk about the IMSA risk and how it applies to companies and uh, the internal risks that they face with uh, forensic-wise. We speak about things like cyber. You spoke about the cyber increase and how cyber interacts and, and relates to uh, the, how do we look at cybersecurity if, if we talk about blockchain, for instance, how does that uh, relate to cyber and cybersecurity? We've got speakers talking about that. Um, mobile network fraud trends. We even talk about, and there's a, there's a lot of online selling taking place nowadays. When we look at finding fraud in investment frauds uh, and, and those type of things. So we try to look at finance, risk management, internal audit, um, compliance, and bring it everything together in one conference. Who's your keynote speaker this year? Well, we've got a couple of keynote speakers. Um, our first keynote speaker for day one is uh, Minister uh, Pravin Gordon. Uh, I think you'll like his topic, our current political landscape. Does it create the landscape to fight or commit fraud? So um, this year we decided not to tiptoe around uh, um, the, our words, we want to, to get to the, the specifics. Second day, we've got uh, Professor Lumumba coming to, to talk to, uh, to us. He's a professor advocate from Kenya, and he's going to talk about Africa is, uh, is being crippled by first world countries for their riches, which goes hand in hand with uh, corruption. What does Africa uh, do about it? Why do we tolerate this? And what should we do? Um, to protect the organization. So um, there's, I would really uh, ask our listeners to go and have a look at uh, Professor Lumumba and, and what he's done at the United Nations talking about uh, African countries and their ex uh, spending their money 
um, where they can't even buy food on five-star hotels and things like that. He's, uh, he's not keeping quiet at all. So I, I love him as a speaker. And then on the last day, we've got General uh, Godfrey Labia. You know him very well. He's heading up uh, DPCI. Um, so he, they, they specialize in financial crimes. And he's going to talk about the role of the DPCI, what they've seen, what, they've, what they're doing, what they're keeping themselves busy with. And they're also going to take, uh, take the opportunity of talking about high-profile cases and, and, and going to show us um, how to better improve our own, inter- uh, own internal skill sets by working closer with, with them um, to make sure that uh, we can go after the fraudsters. And our personal uh, country... Uh, success rate in prosecutions um, is increased because it's shockingly low at this stage for me. Is the conference virtual or in person? Virtual conference this year. Um, We heard about all this uh, plagues coming up and down. So um, next waves. uh, So we decided to keep it still this year virtual. I can promise you, uh, Chad, uh, just for the the sake of it, next year is going to be face-to-face. Touch wood. Because we're 25 years old and we want to make sure that it's a big year next year as well. But this year, uh, great speakers, brilliant speakers, international speakers, virtually. Everyone can, partici- uh, can, can be part of this. There's networking forums, uh, networking rooms where you can go and network. There's also space uh, where you can go and learn more about the different tools available. I'm excited to hear about the quarter century next year. Yes. No. You must be already planning something special. We are. We hope to get you a speaker, maybe. (laughs) (laughs) And tell me if anybody wants to find out more about the upcoming conference, as well as membership, membership requirements, and the continuous training, which I find so critically important, where do they go? acfesa.co.za. All the information is on there. You can also follow us on uh, ACFESA on, on, on Facebook, as well as LinkedIn and Twitter. Um, we are up there. Um, all our events are, are marketed. All the information is available. And then if I'm allowed to, I'll also give a telephone number um, that you can phone. Uh, Nelly Corsa is waiting for your call. It's 012-346-1913. Um, there's a lot of staff that, uh, that will gladly assist you with anything that you need. And um, if need be, I'm also available. My details is online. Um, you can contact me directly and I'll gladly help you through the process. For those that tuned in today, you may have heard that there was a bit of excitement in my voice, a bit of a spring in my step. That's because Yaku is my first in-person guest in studio in over two years. And despite the fact that we're still living very much with COVID and there are going to be future waves, we're hoping to have more in-person opportunities like this. We're hoping that if we can't do complete in-person, they can be hybrid. And of course, we've all got used to virtual. So, um, Yaku, really looking forward to the conference this year. It's still quite a few months away. But the fact that it's so well prepared and we already know who the speakers are, just show the professionalism that's gone into the the, the planning of this. Thanks very much. Um, this is a, a great opportunity to, to really protect your organization, to learn more about it, to make sure that your staff has the necessary skills. So don't miss out on, the, on this opportunity to attend. Um, like I indicated, it's virtual. Whether you are a risk manager, compliance officer, ethics officer, uh, fraud examiner, um, come, attend, learn more, specialize. Uh, Chad, you spoke earlier about COVID and how it affected organizations. It also affected a lot of people. A lot of people lost their jobs. One of the things companies looked at in how to retain uh, individuals was 
can they provide the expertise and the specialist uh, skill sets that's needed within organizations? And when they uh, appoint uh, consultants like yourselves, they, the first thing is, are the, uh, will the person that they appoint be able to do the job first time right? People cannot afford anymore just to spend money and throw it blatantly in, in, in the air. They want to know that the, that the real specialist um, will be able to do the job. Yaku, thank you so much for joining us today. Thanks very much for the opportunity. Thank you so much for tuning in today. Um, the upload for the podcast will be made within the next 24 hours. There will be repeats during the week. It was great to chat to Yaku live in studio today. If you want to find out more, Google ACFESA. I'll be back this afternoon, 4 o'clock for the Overdrive. Thank you so much for tuning in.